Colonel Clayson, wake what? That was a good start. Yeah. It's like it's Monday, but it's Friday. You like the Liberty commercial. <laughs> Forget it. We'll just dub it. <laughs> wow. Let's try this again. Buckle up. You're listening to Terminal Exchange. everyone, I'm Philip Adams, and this is episode 56 of Terminal Exchange, the purpose-driven podcast show of NewsBomb Transportation. Before we get into this week's feature exchange, I want to address our regular listeners who have been wondering and asking about our whereabouts from week to week. And through all of 2019, we were able to bring you a new episode nearly every week, along with a few bonus episodes sprinkled throughout the year. And as we've moved into 2020, we had a couple scheduling hiccups and that kind of threw us a bit. Kind of the way this works, many times we end up recording an exchange and, and get it ready, do all the editing and everything the week before. So so we're doing all that, and then the following Tuesday, the episode comes out. And we don't always have the benefit of stockpiling interviews. Our intention all along has been to maintain a weekly release schedule, but to avoid pushing out subpart episodes and just getting stuff pushed out there, we've decided to dial that frequency back just a bit and, and say that new episodes of Terminal Exchange will drop most Tuesdays. We do expect this to result in about two to three episodes each month. So you can plan on that and it will definitely still be on Tuesdays. This move will also allow our marketing team to have uh, more time uh, to work on some other new initiatives uh, that we've got coming for both internal and external communications. So I want to thank all of our loyal listeners for your support and feedback. We really enjoy producing these podcasts and we appreciate your engagement. We look forward to bringing you more and more great exchanges as we move forward. And as always, feel free to stop by, call in, or drop us a line to marketing at newsbomb.com with any of your thoughts and suggestions. In this week's feature exchange, we welcome back Colonel Jay Clayson. You might remember him as the Avocado Man from episode 43. And if you haven't listened to that episode already, I would recommend that you pause right now and listen to that one first. Then come back for this one. It, it doesn't take long to realize that Jay has a knack for storytelling. And I can tell you this, he is not short on stories that he could tell. I could easily spend an entire day and then some in conversation with Colonel Clayson, listening to his stories, asking him questions, and, and sharing ideas together. He's a fascinating individual with a myriad of vocations, endeavors, and encounters throughout his storied life. And if you remember from our previous exchange with Jay, he began a story at the end of the episode that left us with a cliffhanger. We'll pick back up with that story at the front of this exchange. So with that, here is Colonel Jay Clayson with Fire in the Commode. Colonel Clayson, welcome back. Good to have you here again. Uh, last time you left us off on a cliffhanger. Uh, we'll get into that just a little bit, but um, you've had a bit of a couple weeks here to just coming to this point under the weather and in the weather and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think typical of what our, a lot of our drivers face, particularly if you go out West in the wintertime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I want you to describe to to the listeners here your take on how we should be doing tire chain training. <laughs> well, uh, it's great to do it in the, what we call the clean environment, I guess you would say. Uh, and as I uh, have said many times, uh, coming from the military, we believe in realistic training. <laughs> so I kid the trainers because uh, when I did my winter training, they took me out to the shop, nice dry concrete floor to put the chains on. And I get out into Oregon and I find out, well, I got a chain up, but there's no dry concrete floor. I'm in three inches of slush ice water. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I get out there and manhandle. And of course, you know, we have the super singles on our trucks, which means those chains are about twice as heavy as what the other trucks carry. So I'm trying to wrestle this up underneath uh, a slush-covered trailer and get up underneath the truck to try and fasten it up. And, of course, uh, Murphy's Law, two snow plows go by oh, goodness. <laughs> and bury me in slushy ice water. <laughs> I came out from underneath that truck looking like a red-headed popsicle <laughs> and just soaked from the waist down. So my recommendation for our trainers is... Uh, um, bring, uh, bring the trainee in and, uh, put down about three inches of ice and let him lay in it. And when he's up underneath there trying to fasten it, we'll just throw a couple, a couple of buckets of ice water on him <laughs> <laughs> and he'll be prepared for the real world. So are you telling me then that it's, it's not realistic to have ideal conditions to put the chains on out in the real world? <laughs> I would question a driver that would put chains on in those kinds of conditions because uh, I haven't found it to be like that. Oh, goodness. Goodness. Yeah, it sounds like you had quite a trip over the last <laughs> couple of weeks here. Uh, got to park out there in, in Wyoming and uh, suspended in blizzard time and everything. But uh, 65 mile an hour winds. Glad, glad you made it here <laughs> safely. Um, but. Uh, I want you to pick us back up now where, where you left off. Do you, do you remember where, where that was? Uh, it was, I, I, it was a story is the Porter John story. Yes. So yes. I'm going to let you just take it away here. And, uh, cause I'm, I want to hear the rest of this. I have not yet just for everybody. I, I have not heard the story yet. So I am now listening, waiting to, to hear the rest of this. Well, this is Hollensfels, Germany, which is the uh, military field training center, basically for all of Europe. And uh, not just the U.S. and the German, but other NATO countries go and do field exercises there. So I was over there as a team, as an observer trainer, helping train one of our teams in my career field, which was civil affairs. And uh, it was early in the morning, and they had run through a little scenario. And as always, after we do, we do an after-action review. So we've got six, eight soldiers standing around off kind of the side of a parking area, and um, my partner was kind of conducting the after-action review. And uh, I'm watching soldiers as they're getting up in the morning and moving around. And I observed this one soldier come out. And the Germans had put up a long row of porta-potties for us to use. And this young corporal is going from door to door to door checking these. And finally, he gets to the end, and he goes inside. And... Uh, few minutes later, that thing starts shaking violently, and all of a sudden, the door pops open, and this soldier comes flying out backwards, jumping on one foot, and his boot's on fire. 
<laughs> what in the world? <laughs> well, one of the, the, the NCO in charge of this team that we're training is a former Special Forces Master Sergeant, Green Beret. <laughs> and he was a hardcore, crusty old sergeant. And he saw everybody was looking at this kid because it's kind of drawing some attention. And he just wheels around and marches over there and grabs the kid literally by the ear, puts him at the position of attention. And you could hear, rah, 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 and he's chewing on him. And the kid's standing there at attention. And a little bit later, uh, he marches off and comes back. We all look at him like, what was that all about? Yeah, talk about it. <laughs> so we finished up our after action review. Later in day, I ran into the team lead, which was uh, one of our captains, and I said, hey, captain, I said, that was quite a situation with your master sergeant this morning. What in the world was that all about? Well, he started laughing, and he said, Sarge finally broke down and told us what was going on with this soldier. He had gotten up, and it was a little cool out that morning. Well, he didn't like a cold seat, apparently, so he had taken out some toilet paper and lined the rim of the seat and then took his handy Bic lighter and lit it, the paper afire. Of course, it flared up and then fell down inside the toilet, and the chemical was flammable, so it ignited. <laughs> so he decided to put the fire out with his boot <laughs> and got his boot stuck into the toilet, which caused the port john uh -huh. to shake violently. Goodness. He finally managed to yank his boot out, and when he did, he lost his balance, fell against the door, popped out into the, into the yard, and was jumping up and down trying to put his boot out. <laughs> you never know what a soldier's going to do. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Just for a warm seat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, you know, it makes for a memorable story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Else. I'm I've sure seen, you got that earful, I've though. I've seen soldiers do a lot of amazing things, but that was one I never forgot. <laughs> now, speaking of amazing things, um, if you've traveled enough, there's there's some places where you're you're familiar with seeing some elephants. <laughs> However, I understand you have an experience with an elephant that's not just a statue. And so th this is a story that I think is worth sharing because how often does this happen? <laughs> well, you're right, uh, Phil. The, the typical North American elephant is a statue. <laughs> but this goes back many, many years ago. I was a college student. I was in a Christian college in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And it's really how I started my driving career. I got a job driving a truck for a bulldozer, Caterpillar dealership. And I would drive at night from Chattanooga down to Marietta, Georgia, outside of Atlanta, mm -hmm. pick up bulldozer parts and, and bring it back. And then I went to school in the daytime. And um, <laughs> down south, while we're getting the snow and the blizzards up here, they're getting rain. So invariably, it seems like there's heavy rain at night. And this particular night, I'm coming up Interstate 75, and a pickup truck had passed me. They had school furniture, desks, just stacked ridiculously high. And I thought, wow, that, that's not safe. And he went on past me, and I drove for a while, and there's a bunch of flashing lights, and all of a sudden, I'm seeing desks children's chairs and stuff dragged down the middle of the road. This is on Interstate 75. 
Well, we have to come to a stop. And what the state police did is they routed the northbound part of the traffic down into the median and up to one side on the southbound lane mm. to get around this accident and then back across the median. And so the cars went down. Now, it's raining really hard, and it's kind of muddy down in that median. So I used my truck down in there, and, of course, I had a pretty good load on, and sure enough, I get stuck. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> the, the state trooper wasn't real happy. It's raining and miserable out, and he's yelling at me to get my truck out of the way, and I'm holding up traffic, and I can't get anywhere. I'm trying to rock it back and forth, and my headlights pick up a little fella that was barely four and a half feet high, just a little bitty guy. Well, as I had been traveling north after that truck went by, I had passed different parts of what apparently was a traveling circus. And this fella jumped up on my running board. I rolled down the window, and he says, just wait right here. I'll get my elephant. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought later, was I dreaming this? And I'm like, well, whatever. I got to get this truck out of here. And I'm trying to rock back and forth. I could move just a little bit, but the tires would spin. And uh, I'm getting kind of frustrated and I look up, and here this fella is with the biggest elephant I had ever seen. <laughs> and he comes up to my truck, and he says, do you have a rope? And I said, no, but I got a big chain. And we hooked that to the front of my truck and hooked it to the harness on that elephant. And he gave a command, and that elephant pulled my truck right up out of that median, just like he wasn't pulling anything at all. <laughs> Who needs horsepower when you got elephant power? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The funny thing is, is I remember thinking, okay, I need to, uh, you know, put it in gear and get the get the clutch out when he starts pulling me to kind of aid. And I really doubted this elephant was going to do anything. Right. I, I wasn't driving a semi. It was a it was a Ford 750 flatbed. Okay. But I could haul like 21,000. Yeah, miles. still plenty so, of yeah, weight. Yeah, dual, <laughs> dual tires on the back. And so... Um, I remember hearing that diesel, because they had a diesel engine, I remember hearing that engine roaring as I'm mashing on an accelerator, and the front end of my truck just pulled right up when that elephant leaned into that. (laughs) And we slowly come up out of that ditch on the road and uh, got out, and all of a sudden, just as I got out, I let the clutch out, I realized I never had it in gear. (laughs) That elephant had done all of the work. Pulling that truck up out of that wow. mud. Yeah. That's, so, that's impressive. <laughs> so, you know, I learned a lesson back then. It was many years ago. But as a truck driver, just prepare, be prepared for anything. You never know. <laughs> I, I, I've got a. So at that point, did you just take off and, and get on moving out of the way well, and yeah, down the road? I mean, as soon so as you didn't we get to were stick on around the edge and... of the road, uh, yeah. And I mean, it's really raining hard. So I get out there to get the chain, and as soon as I disconnect the chain from his little apparatus there, he disappeared into the dark. <laughs> I never saw him again, you know? I would be fascinated to know what anybody else was thinking, like the the the, the trooper or oh, anybody yeah. else is watching oh, yeah. this and seeing an elephant. Well, it's, on the- it's such a bizarre situation. <laughs> you know, I got back to the shop. I go back cause we had a night shift of mechanics that are working some dozers, you know? And I said, 
started telling them, you know, and they're listening to me. And I'm getting comments like, was it a pink elephant? Right. You know, and right. uh, how many times did you stop at the bar on the way they, down? They, they make you take a, <laughs> yeah. a test after that? Yeah, exactly. But I'm like, no, I am not making this up. It really, it really happened. <laughs> that is a fa- I mean, that, that just, yeah, that, that, that screams like just uh Drunk stupor type story, <laughs> it right? Does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but oh goodness! So well, now that it's been a, a few months since the last time we talked, and you've you've been here a little bit longer, um, how's how's things been going uh, here? Otherwise, other than this last couple of weeks, uh, with a little bit of everything, but uh, how's how's it been going out there for you? Oh, it's been it's been really good. It's been great. Uh, I'm having fun. I really enjoy traveling and seeing the country. Um, I was on a scheduled run for a while, uh, and you know, imagine a guy from Michigan hauling auto parts. But I'm familiar with that business, and mm-hmm. it's uh, a business that changes a lot. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, in this case, uh, I don't know if they got the parts finished for the season. I was hauling a lot of parts for Ford Escorts, and uh, many times the supplier will get ahead, mm, you know, yeah. and the season runs out before they actually done manufacturing. But uh, that put me back on the open road. And so um, I've had a chance to get to some places that I haven't seen much before. I've been to 49 states. When we figure out how to get a truck to Hawaii, I want to be the first one. Make it happen. But otherwise, uh, there are some states I didn't get to spend a lot of time in that I have since. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been really good. Um, I had an opportunity uh, during a weekend layover out in Nevada a week ago. Um, I try to attend church when I when I'm on the road if I can. Excellent. You know, and a lot of our truck stops have have chapels. I stop in if I get a chance and see the chaplain and just try and encourage him. I think that's a great ministry. I have some friends that have yeah. done that. But I was in a hotel outside of um, Reno, Nevada, for the weekend, and uh, I could go to uh, Walmart and watch Walmartians or mm-hmm. hang out in the hotel. <laughs> But I had my phone out and looked, and there was a little church that was like 1.8 tenths of a mile around the corner. So I just walked. Mm -hmm. And a neat little country church. The pastor came and introduced himself and asked me, uh, you know, what brings you here? And I said, well, I'm a a truck driver, and I'm laid over for the weekend. And he said, oh, I used to be a truck driver, and then I became a pastor. I said, well, I used to be a pastor, and I I became became a a truck truck driver. driver. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, a, it was a neat service, very friendly people. And later I got to thinking, you know, and, and, and you get to be my age and the experiences I've had through life, you kind of reflect about uh, things that you've experienced. I wanted to relate a story that I think is kind of important for uh, a company like this and our drivers. Um, when I had that experience driving that truck with the elephant, I was in Bible college. I was preparing for ministry. Now, I didn't know what kind of ministry, what it was I was going Mm -hmm. to do. But uh, I was taking a lot of Bible courses, a lot of theology. And um, so one night, I was coming up out of Atlanta. uh, And again, heavy, heavy rain. And uh, as I'm driving north uh, on Interstate 75, uh, I see some flashing lights, emergency lights on a car on the side of the road. And uh, it's almost like this voice said, stop. And I'm like, man, I don't want to pull off, you know, and it's dark and it's heavy rain, miserable. 
But it was like the Spirit of God was just impressing me to, to stop, help this guy. So I got out. It was a white Cadillac on the shoulder of the road, flashers on. I came up, and he rolled down the window, and I said, uh, do you need some help? And it was a businessman, and he said, um, I, I think I'm out of gas. And I said, well, uh, there's a truck stop up the road here. I said, I can give you a ride up there. You can get some gas. I'm sure that they can give you a ride back here to your car. So he got out, and he climbed up in my truck, and we started down the road. And uh, again, it was like that same voice said, talk to him, talk to him. Well, I'm memorizing scripture, I'm learning theology, and I carried a, a little testament in my pocket. So I had asked him, uh, and I'd learned a kind of an opening line. I asked him, I said, so where are you going? You know, where, where, where are you coming from? He said, I'm business meeting in Atlanta. So where are you going? He said, uh, Chicago. And uh, I said, well, what about when you die? And he kind of looked at me. I said, do you know where you're going to go when you leave this earth? And he just kind of sat there quiet. So I just witnessed to him. I talked to him. Got to the truck stop and just pulled up underneath like a streetlight and opened up my testament and just shared some verses with him and then asked him if he would like to pray. Would you like to know and accept Christ and know that you're going to heaven when you die? And he just kind of sat there, and he didn't really say anything. He just kind of shook his head. And uh, so we prayed. And then I dropped him off and went on my way. Uh, but before I left, he gave me his business card, and I just stuck it in my shirt pocket and uh, went home. Well, in nine, that was about 1978, 79. In 1999, I was uh, Army Reservist with our brigade headquarters in Homewood, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. And we're going to have um, a weekend where we have to wear our dress uniform. So I'm going through the top drawer of my dresser. I've got all my insignia, brass, and stuff that goes on my uniform. And I'm pulling that out, and there's that business card. I pulled that up, and I thought, wow, that was a long time ago. I kind of wonder, whatever happened to that guy? And I just stuck, again, stuck at my shirt pocket, drove to Chicago, did my Saturday drill, went to the hotel, found that card and said, you know, I should just go look that guy up. And it just felt like God was just impressing me go. It turned out that where he lived was almost straight up the same road going into Chicago from where the reserve center was. I couldn't believe how easy it was to get to this address. And I pulled up in front of this little box white house, and there was a garage set off to the back. I didn't see any car. I was almost looking for that same white Cadillac. (laughs) Right. And I walk up to the sidewalk, and it just kind of hit me like, this could be a really dumb idea, you know. Uh, this guy's probably moved, no telling what's happened through the years, you know. It's been a long time. But I went ahead and I rang the doorbell and uh, waited a little bit and finally said, ah, oh, no, this is not good. You know, somebody's going to be upset that I'm disturbing him. I started to turn and the door opened and this little gray-haired lady sticks her head out. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I want to say something like Jacobson or something. But I said, is, you know, is Mr. Jacobson um, here? And she said, that's my husband. And I remember that card. And I said, I met him uh, about 1979. Uh, he broke down on the side of the road coming from a business meeting in Atlanta. I said, and I gave him a ride. And I thought I, he gave me his card. And I just wanted to stop by and, and see how he's doing. I said, is he home? And she looked at me and she said, 
Sir, he didn't make it home from that meeting. He died in a traffic accident that night in Illinois. And tears are coming down her face. And so I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I said, I did not mean to, to cause you any pain. I'm so sorry. But I said, uh, I met him that night. I said, uh, I don't know what you believe. But I said, I just feel like I need to let you know. I'm a Christian, and before I dropped him off, I shared with him from the Bible how he could know that he's going to heaven. And I said, he prayed and accepted Christ that night. She opened the storm door and reached out and grabbed my hand and pulled me into the house and had me sit down in her little living room, just a neat little house, little old lady. And she said, you are here as an answer to my prayer. She said, I'm 87 years old. She said, for the, I have been praying for my husband to be, uh, become a Christian since the day we got married. And she said, I have been praying, particularly the last two weeks, Lord, do not let me die without knowing what happened to my husband. And she said, you are here in answer to prayer, and I can pass in peace. And uh, it just, that came back to me after I visited this church uh, a week ago. And I thought about uh, so many of my friends in ministry would say, well, you know, you're not a minister. You're not in ministry. You gave up mm. pastoring a church. Mm. As a Christian, we're all in ministry, and we're all called to be a shining light and to be a witness. And I think that's even applies to us as truck drivers. You never know whom you're going to meet or where and uh, what an opportunity the Lord's going to give. And it may be the last opportunity for that individual. And so that really uh, meant meant a lot to me when I realized how the Lord had worked through yeah. through life. Let me share one other story similar to that that's kind of along the same line. This comes from military experience. I deployed to Bosnia in 1996. We had uh, 17,000 soldiers over there, and um, I had uh, I was uh, again with the unit in Chicago. I had spent a good part of my career with our battalion in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where I lived. But uh, the commander came to me and he said, look, uh, our Green Bay Battalion really needs a good team leader. And he said, I'm going to ask you, would you deploy with them instead of with our unit? I said, sure, I know these guys. I've trained with them. Uh, that was that unit where the young fellow had a, the problem with the Portageon. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew those soldiers. I said, sure. So I, I go to Bosnia. And they assigned me a young junior sergeant by the name of David Norris, who was a firefighter from hometown Illinois, suburb of Chicago. Great young man, 27 years old. And uh, the other team members were from the Green Bay Battalion. And we had had a situation, uh, and it, you learn so many lessons and important things of life and history in the country when you travel, and, and particularly when you work like I did in the military. Right. This country has forgot what communism and socialism are about and what it does and the evils that it represents. Most of those Eastern Bloc countries of the former Soviet Union were called police states. And there's a reason they're called police states, because the police have the authority and the power. And they work for the crooked, corrupt politicians. They don't have the uh, rule of law that we have and citizens' rights and Unfortunately for me, maybe a little political, but I feel like we're devaluing our citizenship by the way we are conducting ourselves in this country. And they're looking for those citizenship rights. 
Well, of course, the former warring factions had to discharge, according to the Dayton Peace Accord, a certain percentage of their forces. This is a war and torn country. Everything is demolished. There's no jobs. There's not much for these guys to do. They were allowed to keep their personal weapons. So what they did is they took the old army uniform, like what we had, the woodland camouflage uniform, and they painted, they would dye it blue mm. and stand out on the side of the road and call themselves police and hold up the population. Mm. Well, we had truck drivers and local people and people traveling through the area that would come to our gate, I-4, because we represented the only form of law enforcement that they knew. Well, we're a combatant force. We're not police. The brigade commander came and got all of us civil affairs and psychological operations teams together and said, look, I'm sick of these people coming to our gates because they're being robbed by these troops. I want you guys to go out there and shut down all these illegal police checkpoints. So I, I'm a, I think I was a major at the time, and I'm a convoy commander, and I take a, a team of troops out, four Humvees, and we start shutting down these illegal police checkpoints. Well, we came around the, the, the base of a mountain. There was a 650-year-old castle up at the top of this mountain, and at the bottom was kind of the city circle, city central. And just before we came around the curve, here was a really old Mercedes-Benz on the shoulder of the road, the hood is up, the trunk is up. Grandpa and grandma, mom and dad, and the children are laying in the ditch and all their possessions scattered out. Mm-hmm. And there's about 17 Serb soldiers with their rifles, and they're going through these people's possessions. So I yelled at Dave, stop. And he brings the Humvee and the convoy to a halt. And uh, I open the door, and just as my boot hit the ground and I look out there, I got 17 AK 47s pointed right at my chest. Oh, wow. Uh, training kicked in. I carried a nine millimeter pistol. Don't remember pulling it out. It was in my hand. What amazed me thinking back is David was about six foot two, six foot three. He was a big kid. He had to break, stop that Humvee, put it in park and pull his M16 that's down by his foot on the accelerator out of there. And he, I could see out of the corner of my eye, the tip of the barrel laying across the door of the Humvee as he's standing there. Mm-hmm. My first interpreter I had over there was a, a Serbian gentleman. It was uh, five five both ways, about two hundred and fifty pounds, about <laughs> the size of a middle linebacker <laughs> named Drago. But he would he would get in that back left seat of the Humvee, and we'd go down the road sideways, <laughs> tilted <laughs> all leaning to the left. He was a big guy. <laughs> All of a sudden, the Humvee starts rocking, and he runs out in the middle of the street and puts both hands up like a traffic cop and says, Stop. I think I know these guys. And so we're all standing there pointing at each other, pointing our <laughs> rifles at each other. And he goes over, and the Serb people are tall people. And uh, he's talking to the Serb captain, and pretty soon their rifles come down. So I walk out in the middle of the street because I'm the convoy commander. I'm in charge of this operation, and um, I'm fulfilling my orders. And uh, I walk up to this big Serb captain, and uh, I'm finger-pointing him in the chest, and I'm telling him, you get your soldiers and your weapons, and you get in your vehicles, and you get out of here, and you leave these people alone, and I don't want to ever find you out here trying to you know, rob people again. Of course, I have to wait for Drago to translate. <laughs> so you're all really intense here now. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, and this captain, this big, tall captain's looking down at me while I'm finger pointing him in the chest, you know, and he's listening to Drago translate. And also, 
there's 17 AK-47s pointed right at me. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die, but I sure hope none of my soldiers do. And I really hope that that young corporal on that second Humvee, which was an MP Humvee, is manning that machine gun. And all of a sudden I heard, clunk, he had released the bolt. And it slid forward, and that meant the ammo was loaded, it was belt-fed, and he could just mow him down. I'm going to die, but he's going to mow him down. <clears throat> and uh, all this is running through my mind when I all of a sudden I realize the captain is talking in Serbo-Croatian over his shoulder to these guys. All of a sudden, boom, 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 I hear these doors, and they're climbing in their little Yugos and their Volkswagen Golfs, <laughs> and they back out and drive away. And uh, that's when my heart started beating. Again, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so um, the family, they're already getting up, and they're gathering up their stuff and putting it in the car. So I just, like Wyatt Earp, I walk back to the Humvee, no big deal, climb back in. We move out, and nobody says a word. We drove for about 20 minutes. Finally, David says, uh, are you okay, sir? And sweat's rolling down my face. And I said, I think so. Are you? And he said, uh, that was a little intense, sir. <laughs> we went to one of our base camps, and they had a little post, uh, post exchange, a PX in, in a tent there. So I let these guys go. And, and it just had been weighing on my heart to talk to David. And so I said, Dave, would you, would you hold up a minute? And the other guys left. And, um, again, I had a, a camouflage. <laughs> I have a collection of different camouflage-covered Bibles. Nice. The chaplains give out. Nice. So I had one with me. And I said, Dave, I said, I want to ask you a question. I said, uh, back there, I said, you know, I thank God that things worked out like they did. I think he protected us. And he's like, yeah, sir, that was pretty scary. I said, Dave, let me ask you something. If we all bought the farm back there, I said, where would you be right now? And he kind of looked down at the ground and he said, uh, Sir, that's a hard question. And I said, I know, but it's a very important one. I think it's the most important question a human being can ever answer. I said, can I show you how you can know where you would be, that you would be in heaven? And I got out my Bible, and right there on the front of the Humvee, I led that young soldier to the Lord. Mm. And God gave me an opportunity through a very, very intense situation to have an opportunity to share the gospel. So whether you're a truck driver or a soldier or a minister or whatever occupation God has called you to, we're still, as Christians, called to share his word. Yeah. And we just need to be open for the opportunities they might give us. Now, those are kind of extreme, extreme examples. Those are more but... extreme than probably most people will get to uh, encounter. But, but it does go to show that, yes, the, the, you've got different opportunities placed in front of you. We're not all called to the same locations and, and type of service. Uh, but we are all called to minister and, and, and share and wherever that is for you, we all have an obligation. Right. As, as you know, believers as Christians, anyway, if, if, if that's you, there's, there's a call there. I love, I love our, our, our trailer, trailers with a message on it. Uh, and uh, I told my wife, I said, you know, if as a driver you hook up and you have a trailer that has a message like that, 
I think even your driving should reflect that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, I, I only run two, three cars off the road instead of five, and I never count any blind people I run over. <laughs> but, you know, we really do have a gigantic uh, message billboard yeah. going down the road, you know, and it's, uh, I, I always look for people's reaction when they see our trailers, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, numerous times I get a horn honk or a thumbs up, you know, uh, and quite a few times I just get a lot of stares, <laughs> you know. But uh, that, for us, I think is a great opportunity to to share the gospel, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm uh, for one, personally quite proud that we're able to do that oh, and it. that we, we've got those out there. Uh, I'll take this moment here to say that we've got more uh, coming out Excellent. this year. Excellent. Uh, so uh, be looking for those coming a little bit later this spring. But uh, we do have more happening and uh, excited to share those with you as well. We're actually going to reproduce some of them previous ones, but then we got some new stuff as well. So, but, uh, now Jay, you've got clearly a good sense of humor <laughs> here. And I heard through the grapevine here that you may have dabbled in some comedy. <laughs> well, um, my first degree was in speech communication. Now I actually worked in broadcasting, radio and television. But it was a speech, it was an arts degree, and it was speech-centered. And uh, part of uh, working in ministry and homiletics, which is learning mm-hmm. to put together a sermon, uh, a lot of your contemporary ministers today, Charles Stanley, Andy Stanley is a great yep. one, they understand that the value that sometimes humor can bring Absolutely. to illustrate a point, you know, and... Um, I really, I really do enjoy comedy. Um, I have serious radio in my truck. Unfortunately, I, I can't listen to the comedy channel because it's right. just filthy language. is just yeah. terrible. Yeah. So I got curious and said, well, is there such a thing as like a Christian comedian? And I researched online and I found that there really is. There is a Christian comedy association and they hold a convention every June. <clears throat> and for the last number of years, it's been in Mount Joliet, Tennessee which is a little town right between where I live, Cookville, and Nashville. It's like 20 minutes away. So when I moved there, because every year I was in Texas, and I could never seem to make that conference. And I told my wife when we bought the house and moved to Cookville, I said, I'm going to the comedy convention this year (laughs) because I can even just drive home at night, you know. And no, I couldn't go. They moved it to Texas. <laughs> oh, goodness. They moved it to Dallas. Of all year. things. But I really am planning on going. Uh, I've researched some of it online. And the interesting I find uh, on most any kind of um, like a program uh, training or whatever to be a comedian, it's all based upon public speaking delivery. Right. Been doing that all my life. <laughs> I got the timing down. I know how to do that. But my theory is you're not going to survive long telling other people's jokes. Mm-hmm. You have to learn to figure out. So I actually did get a home study course that I've been kind of working on. And the interesting thing I've learned through that is what most comedians do is they just look at the headlines. They pick up a newspaper. They look at something online. And it may be very tragic. 
but they will uh, mull that over for a while looking to find a humorous angle to that, hmm. you know? And uh, again, some of it is so simple, you know, but we don't, because of the way we're raised, that kids be serious, you know, life is serious, you've got issues, you got, that's true. But particularly as a Christian, <clears throat> I was thinking about this morning, I was reading in the Bible this morning and I was talking about joy. I said, well, joy is important. But we put all our emphasis on happiness. Mm. We're not always going to be happy. One of the things I've learned through some of the hardships I've dealt with in my life is that God gives me peace. I'm not always happy, but at least I have peace. And if I can develop a mental outlook that looks and says, well, where's the humor in this thing? It's a not a fun situation, but what's funny about it? Like, Two snowplows have to cover exactly. me nice instead of just let me chain up, you know. <laughs> so uh, I I actually will sometimes take like a commercial that I've heard. And, and this is one, you know, I was out for like three weeks missing my wife. And so I told my driver manager when he says, we're going to get you home by Friday. I said, great, that's Valentine's Day. I said, I tell you, Brian, I just can't wait to go home and put my arms around my wife and look her in the eye and hear her, hear her say those three magic words, change your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> so there are some great Christian comedians out there, you know, yeah. and there's somewhere I don't understand quite why in the course of their comedy routine, they will veer off into uh, filth. Yeah. But some of what they have is really good. And I've kind of adopted some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now. I love history. Being a military officer, you have to be a student of history. And one of my heroes is is uh, Thomas Edison. What an awesome man. 5,000 patents. He was an inventor. He worked day and night. Um, he's quoted, however, saying about Alexander Graham Bell, you know, just imagine all he could accomplish if he had just put down the phone. Oh, I love it. And Jay, I tell you what, you've got such a neat experience and background. Just hearing the stories, and I I know we're only just kind of getting the tip of the iceberg here, I feel like. And I'm sure there's there's so much more. You could make something out of this. So, <laughs> I mean, you could be the, 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 the truck-driving Christian comic or, you know, Colonel Clayson and, and have a whole thing. I mean— you might as well start your own YouTube channel. If you haven't done that already, <laughs> do it. I will subscribe. I will sell that around here. We'll make sure everybody else subscribes as well. Uh, I would I would look forward to that. Well, I have to quote my father from back when I was in elementary school, to which he he lamented to my mom. He said, if that boy could do his homework as well as he remembered jokes, he'd be a straight-A student. <laughs> It's all about, you know, <laughs> what actually interests you, right? Colonel <laughs> uh, oh. Clayson, thank you so much for, for sharing some laughs with us and some really uh, touching, heart heartfelt thoughts there as well, uh, some very important stuff there. Appreciate the work that you do, the ministering that you're doing as well as you're out on the, on the roads and just wherever you know, life takes you. Uh, appreciate the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. I really, really do count it a privilege to be to be a part of this company. Uh, at at this point in life, 
you know, as you know, I've, I've retired twice now. <laughs> um, I just never really expected to find a company like this, you know. And uh, I think because you encounter difficulties and challenges uh, throughout the day, sometimes that can cloud your vision to realize um, we're a company made of human beings. Mm-hmm. And we will make mistakes and people have faults. But uh, you have to look at the higher purpose, you know, and the goal and what it is we're trying to accomplish, you know. Yeah, we're a business. And I learned uh, the first time I ran a business, you're not in business to be in business. You're in business to make money. Right. You know, but as Christians, we do have a higher purpose and we can fulfill that in the process of business yeah. and doing our jobs. And I love that you used that term of, of purpose. That is our vision here is to be purpose-driven, to positively impact the lives of everyone we interact with. And I think you're a perfect example of that. I know we have lots of other drivers that I could start naming off right now uh, that are perfect examples of that as well. Um, So thank you uh, for for being that example. We're thankful to have you here as part of the company. And uh, I hope you get to stay around as as long as you can until that comedy career takes off, but uh, until, until next retirement comes. Yeah. Well, as I tell my wife, you know, we, we will be together, you know, until the sun sets, until the rivers run to the ocean or until we drive each other nuts. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Colonel Clayson, thanks again so much and uh, stay safe out there. Appreciate all you've done. Thank you. You've been listening to Terminal Exchange, the official podcast show of Nussbaum Transportation. Nussbaum is an industry leader in over-the-road freight transportation. For more information on Nussbaum's award-winning truckload services and top-paying driving careers, go to Nussbaum.com or NussbaumJobs.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Terminal Exchange. Be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts and share a little love by writing us a review. Then go deeper into each exchange or listen to previous episodes at our podcast page, terminalexchange.org.